Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Sharp lessons, everybody. New week as we approach week two. Ben Wittenstein, the professor, Nate Jacobson across from me in our uh, currently being renovated studios. We still got a light, though, which is nice. If you're going to be watching some of the clips on uh, Stadium Bet's Twitter account, we're, we're well lit now, Nate. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, season just started, and uh, you know we're working on some things around here. So Always looking forward to it. And, of course, uh, college football week one we'll uh, digest it this episode and also talk a little bit about nfl week one and some of the lines that have been out for four months that have been on the move tuesday finally. we finally get to talk about nfl games that are coming up this weekend we i feel like we've been talking nfl for like months now and it's just kind of been speculation and now finally we've got player props that are coming out so hopefully we can have some player props on thursday and we've got football in 48 hours as of probably when we release this recording, 50 hours, something like that, with the Thursday Night Football. Yep, Bills at Rams. We'll have a preview at the end of the show because that's not a game we're going to cover on our second episode of the week where we share our best bets for college football week two and the NFL week one. Don't think that's a best bet game anyway for us, but it's definitely a game worth talking about. Yeah, 100%. Um, and as we kind of look back at the week that was for our best bets, I will say, Nate, I uh, I straight up wasn't having a good time on Saturday. No. Wasn't a good weekend for me. Best bets didn't hit. A lot of my bets on Saturday didn't hit i did really well thursday and friday game seemed a little bit easier to predict and then saturday hit and week one college football pretty much the opposite of week one from last year we did really well last week last year in week one and this week uh you know not not great not great yeah so we had both had bets on the oregon georgia game you had oregon plus 17 and a half i believe i did they closed 16 doesn't matter because they lose by 46. It went down. How ins- thinking about <laughs> that, how then, insane that people were like, that was the hot bet. People were thinking about it. Right. And it even went down enough to 16. More than a point and a half movement from when I got it midweek. And, and in that game, I got fortunate with my best bet. I guess you could look at it a couple ways. I had the under 53 or 53 and a half. It actually ended up closing 54, 54 and a half. So it didn't get a good number. It looked certainly like it was going to go over. And then Oregon down 49 to 3 went on a nine minute drive that ended up in no points. And that was the difference between winning, uh, you know, an under bet that I probably should have lost. And then last night, the other best bet that I had for the week, Clemson under 51 against Georgia Tech, full yep. game I under. You on that one. Uh, started off great, 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, going into halftime 14-3, to so they were only at 17 points. Then Clemson decided to – well, a couple of things. They were up big, and they were like snapping the ball with, like twenty seconds left on the play clock, even though the clock was running. So you could tell yeah. they were still like wanted DJU to get reps because he did have a slow start to the game. And then Georgia Tech is running up the middle, not calling timeouts because they just want to get out of the game. But Dabo's calling timeouts to get the ball he back, running tap tempo with true freshman Cade 
Klubnik, the true freshman quarterback who maybe if DJU struggles in some other games, we'll yeah, see him good. later this year. Yeah, he looked good against the Georgia Tech team who just <laughs> wanted to get the hell home from uh, yeah. Mercedes-Benz Stadium to their campus uh, at Georgia Tech. And the game ends up pushing. So I tweeted out last night the under bet that won probably should have lost. The under bet that uh, push should have won. So I'll take it. Also had Utah, not as a show best bet, but a bet I made. Uh, well, a couple of Utah bets that I've been talking about, and they lost on a, in a heartbreaking fashion, having t- oh first and goal a couple times and not being able to get points, including at the end of the game. So that was a tough one. I would have really liked Utah to win that game for a couple of reasons, but they still, in my opinion, obviously not a conference game, so they're still you know going to be fine, I think, in terms of the Pac-12. So not a huge deal that Utah lost in terms but other than that bet, but – yeah, that was that was a tough one, especially as I was watching that game from a blackjack table in New Buffalo, Michigan. <laughs> You're living the dream. Painful. Yeah, it wasn't Did a you good win a blackjack at least. Well, after you t- that <laughs> after that interception by Florida um, with like 20 seconds left to ice the game, it went downhill from there. So it was funny how good. it was like that game and the how that game was going was correlated to my results at the blackjack table. <laughs> funny how that worked out. Damn. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I know for, for me, I'm done with Oregon. I'm completely done with Oregon. And I stood here, sat here, I guess, looked right into the camera and said, I believe in Bo Nix. And I have never regretted anything more in my life having said that because he looked terrible. Oregon looked terrible. Georgia looked like the team that's ready to, to win another championship. I mean, that was there was no contest. It wasn't even close in that game. And then the Ohio State game, their offense struggled. And they yeah. couldn't they could barely they couldn't even get to forty points. So both of those picks were way off the mark. And we're looking at the the total record for the show right now, one and three. It's a slow start. We vow to get better. We're going to get better. The slow start just helps us learn what we did wrong. So for the next couple of weeks, Nate, I think we're going to be right on track. We're one and three for the best bets. We're going to have best bets on Thursday for sure. I'll be in Arizona, so I'll be Skyping in. But I think I think we're back on the right track. We kind of learned our lessons. I don't love slate the slate for college football this weekend, Nate. But I we agree. Do, we do have a couple lines that we wanted to do uh, look at because of the movement. Um, and we do because this is sharp lessons, right? Because this is kind of a, a learning theme for the podcast. Did we learn anything this week? Did you learn anything this week? I learned not to trust Bo Nix anymore. I got I got some crap on social media for that. People were saying, how could you trust Bo, Bo Nix? I gave Bo one more chance. I wanted to be the nice guy. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy that says, look, Bo, you changed teams, new environment. Maybe you'll play well. Nope, he didn't. So my trust is gone. That's what I learned. Don't trust Bo. Yeah, and I don't know what to say about Oregon because they did have they were moving the ball a little bit and then they were turning the ball over and there was a pretty ridiculous interception by a Georgia cornerback, yep. true freshman too, just a crazy play. So I don't know. I think Oregon still could be okay in terms of the Pac-12 and just you know winning games in that league. Although, yeah, not not a good showing for Dan Lanning against a a team that he knows as well as really anyone. Well. So that was odd, and I, I maybe we should just give a lot of credit to Georgia and that it's not just a two-team race between Alabama and Ohio State to win the national title, and Georgia certainly deserves to uh, be in at least the same conversation as those teams. I don't know if there's anything else, though, we learned. I, like, I would say like Utah lost. That was disappointing, but I don't think anything like my opinion changed on them. I guess Florida and Anthony Richardson, that's a, that's a good team, and they have a big game. Yep. They're hosting Kentucky this week game i'm very interested to, to watch and see how that plays out but yeah i don't think we should overreact too much from what happened college football week one 
Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I guess this smart. week we'll see Alabama plays Texas, a game we're going to talk about shortly. But, yeah, I don't want to really overreact to anything we saw other than maybe upgrading Georgia and, and Florida and then maybe, you know, being really cautious with, with Oregon and hope that they uh, – I know in week three they play BYU, so that's a pretty be a another game. test yeah. for them. So we'll see what happens in that game. I'll do one more thing that I learned. Alabama first half spreads, that train is still going strong. <laughs> that was a big moneymaker last year, and Alabama first yeah. half continues, at least after week one. I think since, that made people money. I think since 2018 uh, yeah. people have been realizing that's the best way to bet the Crimson Tide, take yep. out the full game, Go first just half. bet them first half. And I know this week full game would have also hit. but It did. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll see what the first half line is in this game up, upcoming. It might be a little bit more reasonable to to lay a big number in the first half, even though they did cover the minus twenty seven on Saturday against Utah State. But yeah, uh, that's definitely still something, especially uh, on the lead Alabama team like this. It's almost a commandment at this point. You see, Bama first half almost have to take it. Now I felt that way about Ohio State team totals, and they they disappointed me, Nate. Uh, let's yeah. do let's do market watch. Let's look at some of these games where there's been some line movement, some of the premier games that we're looking at. Uh, we're not going to give out any bets this week, unless we have, or today, I should say, right. uh, unless you have a thing for Thursday night game, which we'll get to in a second. But um, we'll probably give out all our bets on Thursday, uh, for the most part, for this for this fall series for football. But it's interesting to just kind of take a look at some of these lines, where the movement is going. And if you don't like the way the movement is going – just don't bet that game. You know, if you liked it at a specific number and that's already moved, it's okay to not bet that line. You don't have to force anything. Um, and the first game we wanted to look at was Alabama-Texas. Opened at minus 18 in favor of the Crimson Tide. That's now minus 20 for Alabama playing at Texas. Yep. Well, what, what are your general thoughts on this? Because I know we just said Alabama first half is a pretty solid play. Honestly, I'll probably sprinkle some money on that. And I, I do kind of like it as long as it stays under three touchdowns for Alabama. Yeah, I, I think at this point it's it's hard to bet Alabama full game, 20 on the road. I know it's an 11 a.m. game local mm-hmm. time, so maybe not as raucous as a crowd, but I just it's a little too many points for me. At the same time, I don't want to bet against Alabama just because Nick Saban was I, – I don't think he's going to be, like, afraid to run up the score No, against C. Sarkeesian, who obviously has respect for, and he's probably very proud that he – was able to get Sarkeesian the job at Texas after he was the offense coordinator at Alabama in the past. So there's also the Arch Manning factor. Arch Manning committed yep. to Alabama, or Texas. Alabama's one of the finalists. Not saying that t- Alabama's going to come in and try to like get him to decommit from Texas. <laughs> but I just think he maybe they're, they're like they want to prove that like okay, you're going to maybe Arch Manning, you're going to be playing the SEC one day and you have to go through us. So yeah. there might be some gamemanship there. But yeah, I, I was not shocked obviously that it went from 18 to 20. If it gets to 21, I could see maybe some buyback on Texas as that's kind of the uh the key number but it's kind of crazy to see such a lopsided spread between uh two programs especially with the game being in austin it seems to me saban's in his he just doesn't care mode he he really doesn't care he's just gonna do whatever it takes to win at this point and especially after the season that he had last year and he said they were rebuilding and this is kind of the rebuilt year and he feels very confident about his team this year I don't think he's going to lay up on anyone or anything or any team, to be quite honest. He just yep. wants to show the college football world that Alabama's back, that it has the power, that it's, that it's ready to, to win a title. So I don't think he's going to lay up 
at all. I think he just crushes pretty much every team that they play this season. So I'm honestly I am comfortable laying Alabama up to up to twenty one, and once that twenty one hits, maybe I'll put on the brakes a little bit. But love first <laughs> half, love minus twenty. Uh, Tennessee at Pitt, Tennessee minus six and a half right now. Open at minus five. It went as high as seven and a half for uh, for Tennessee. So it's kind of been wavering um, yeah. between you know five, seven and a half in that very important area. But people seem to like Tennessee. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see this line when I was checking on Monday morning and seeing that a Pitt was a seven-point home underdog. Just I, I know Pitt. I, we kind of think they might take a step back last year, and we we were talking about how we liked West Virginia plus the points, and West Virginia ended up covering against Pitt and could have won the game outright. But now Tennessee, nearly a touchdown favorite on the road against uh, maybe it's because Pitt beat Tennessee in week two last year at Neyland Stadium that there's kind of like a, a focused Tennessee team they know like trying to get revenge from last year and, and Pitt is truly truly down especially since they gave up so many points to a, a West Virginia offense that had some question marks but I don't know I think maybe there's a, a little bit of an overreaction off the West Virginia performance against uh, or Pittsburgh performance against West Virginia and getting Pat Narduzzi in, in the underdog role is a lot different than betting on him as a favorite when he's expected to do so mu- a lot just because he's such a conservative coach. So, I mean, Pitt's interesting to me. Interest, I'm interested in Pitt yeah, at the number. I, am I don't want to bet them because I think Tennessee is better, even though going into week one they were unranked Tennessee, which is kind of ridiculous and why you shouldn't pay attention to the AP top 25 this early in the year or maybe even ever. But, yeah, Pitt for me was something I was going to consider at plus seven. Um, even at six and a half, I feel like it's going to be a, a tight game. And uh, I don't think Tennessee is, you know, justified being that big of a favorite. No. What has Tennessee done to in the last other than like play well at the end of the year against, you know, good teams, but not great teams. I think it's just too much respect for Tennessee before they've really proven anything. Yeah. If they were home favorites of six and a half, oh, I'd yeah. say, okay, that makes sense. Well, you're lo- good. if you're looking at this game and just kind of flip home field, then Tennessee would be a double digit favorite in this yeah. game. And then I'd be like, I'd have to probably bet pit. Oh, for sure. At a, that big of a number. But the but. fact that Tennessee's on the road only laying six and a half, I, I can never trust Tennessee after the past couple of years of, of betting their games here and there. And I know Hendon Hooker is, has been good, and you know they look good against Ball State, but it's Ball State, you know, like that's that's not really going to change my mind for anything. I'm I definitely I'm with you six and a half. If they can if they can get to seven by Friday or Saturday, I'm going to definitely hit Pittsburgh as a touchdown underdog at home. Yeah. I'm all over that. Yeah, I don't really know where this line's going. I would think it would go to six before it goes back up to seven, but you never know, especially if there's like some sort of injury thing we missed out on. USC Stanford, USC minus nine opened at minus twelve. USC road favorites. Kind of an interesting line here, and and we were talking to Alex, our friend Alex, who does the article with us. By the way, little plug for the article on WatchStadium.com. But USC under double digits as a favorite. I like the Trojans. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens in this game. It's definitely a very you know USC a very fascinating team this year. Yeah. And it's kind of like if you are a seller of USC, like kind of like I am, maybe this is the first opportunity to do it because I was never going to take the points with Rice in week one against USC, just no. thinking USC would want to get out to a good start. But now a little bit bigger of a challenge. The thing is Stanford, a lot of question marks about them. They do have a good quarterback in Tanner McKee. 
but around him there's a lot of question marks so not really sure what to make of uh of this game i kind of agree that maybe the line came out a little high and that people just number guys were gonna take stanford at double digits at home but i definitely do need to look at a little bit more into this game and since i'm already invested in the usc win total under probably will uh just kind of stay away and not have any extra investment because there's definitely other games USD could lose this season. Stanford, I guess, is potentially one of them, but don't really love this Cardinal team. I'm seeing one eight and a half. I mean, do you think there there's very low chance it gets below eight? Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. Maybe maybe eight. Maybe we'll yeah. see an eight for like ten minutes, <laughs> and then <laughs> then it gets bet back. No, up. I I think that. When we saw the number come down to 12, I think there was one eight and a half, and that went back up to nine. So I think we're just kind of going to hang around in that area. And if it gets back to 10, someone will bet Stanford. And then if it gets to eight, yeah. So it's kind of just in that kind of no man's land in terms of the point spread. Yeah. Where so few games land on nine. So yeah, it's just kind of in that area where even the the bookmakers at this point don't know really what to do. So they're just going to kind of put it there and see uh, where the betters take it, especially the ones who come in later in the week. Uh, when there's uh, more information on this game. Yeah. Uh, listen, I like Caleb Williams. I mean, he looked solid enough against Rice. It was Rice. It was Rice. So I, I don't want to put <laughs> too much emphasis on that. Yeah, but I, I think that's... he looks solid enough, and that's the type of game that you want him to have. Yeah. Kind of get used to the offense and get, and get used to being the leader of that team. For sure. Uh, the final college football game we wanted to check on for Market Watch, look at some of this line movement, is Baylor at BYU. BYU minus four, that opened at minus one. So yeah. BYU's been getting plenty of the bets, plenty of the money. And you like BYU, I think. Yeah, I would like to get minus three on BYU to make it a best bet for later in the week. Yeah. Would have definitely, if I was around Sunday, would have taken the anything under a field goal, especially yeah. since before the year I did bet Baylor under eight, knowing that this game was going to be a really tough challenge for them. Provo, late night kickoff. Yeah. BYU, a solid team. Good quarterback, Jaron Hall. Just good team in general. And if it got back down to minus three, I'll be on BYU in this game against a Baylor team that won the Big 12 last year. And I think just naturally regression is going to happen. And I think this is kind of a really tough travel spot for the Baylor Bears. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. All right, let's go to the NFL. NFL time, Nate. <laughs> week one, NFL season. We're finally talking some of these games, finally looking at some of the line movement because, God, it has been way too long since we asked, talked seriously about the NFL. So let's look at the Chiefs and the Cardinals. First game we wanted to look at because the line movement in that game has been interesting, to say the least. Um, the Chiefs right now are minus six. It opened at minus three, and it was it minus four minus four and a yeah. half for a good amount of time and just recently we're seeing a lot of money and a lot of bets on the chiefs because that skyrocketed to minus six yeah we were talking you got in the office today we were just kind of catching up on the weekend and i was looking at the screen and saw it was chiefs minus four and a half and then went away for a little bit and all of a sudden it's minus six so people love pat 
it's a little bit of that. I think there's also some injury stuff going on with the Cardinals where they're not going to be a full strength week one, especially in the uh, for their pass catchers, a, a group that was already going to be without DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more just kind of a, a anti-Arizona thing early in the year. One thing, though, fair. to note, though, Arizona – and I'll definitely look up some stats and throw it in my article that will for the NFL debut this week on Thursday, but just how Arizona has done well early in the season with the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray partnership and have kind of faded towards the end of the year. So at plus six, Arizona is just from a numbers play it's is really tempting. tempting to you. <laughs> it is. I mean, you got those I, just, temptations. I think it's, it's at Arizona too. So that it if, is. if you flip, it that's is. basically, this line is basically saying, and let's give Arizona like two points for home field that this line would be Chiefs minus eight. And I think if Chiefs minus eight on neutral field, a lot of people would be on Arizona. So this point at plus six, I think it's gone a little too far. It's one of those things where if it was Chiefs minus three, I would have definitely considered the Chiefs. But now at plus six, it's kind of forcing my hand to consider the Cardinals at least. Maybe waiting to see if it goes up any higher. But I feel like six is probably going to be the highest it can go especially week one where like we kind of, you know, nothing, there's not like a, a schedule dynamic that's bad or um, something else in terms of a team off like a, a hard fought win on a short week. Like this is week one and Arizona's at home. So I don't know. It's, I think it's all injury based, but maybe people are buying the chiefs and whoever laid the minus four and a half to get it to six, uh, know something more than we do. Well, this is one of those things that you almost want to take advantage. I think it's smart. You take advantage of the extreme line movement. And I mean, I don't know if it's super extreme, but it is extreme with how much it has moved. And you would expect, because I know we were talking about this game a month ago, maybe kind of the look-ahead line for week one, and we saw the Chiefs were three, three three-and-a-half-point favorites, and we're sitting here talking like that. Seems low for a team that's not going to have Hopkins and a team that Kyler Murray, who still hasn't super proved himself and – Maybe we thought we weren't seeing anything, and we probably should have bet it at three and a half at that point. Right. And now it's at six. You take advantage of of that maybe faulty increase for the line. Yeah, I guess the lesson here is at this point, don't bet the Chiefs minus six. Yeah, because you're not like, going to get a good line. You get you got you had you know months to bet minus yeah. three, minus three and a half. You had your chances four and a half. Now it's six. You're really paying a premium for Kansas City, so don't have to bet every game. That's the beauty of. Uh, that's the advantage of a better over the sports book. The sports book has to put a line on every game. A better can pick and choose what he wants to bet. So I think it's a if you don't want to bet on Arizona, it's a stay away. Let's talk one of the more interesting games of the week in terms of at least line movement, and that's the Browns and the Panthers minus two and a half for Carolina. This opened Nate <laughs> long, long time ago in the recent past. Browns minus four and a half. They were four and a half point favorites. Yep. And then everything concerning quarterback news. Ex- for both teams hit the fan exactly and now the panthers are two and a half point favorites yeah so the first move to like a pick on was the deshaun watson yep. you know once we realized he was probably gonna be suspended um i could i think when the line opened there was a chance that maybe you'd appeal the yeah just like the whole situation would would kind of he'd play this year and then maybe get suspended 2023 and then things obviously got worse for him and and now he's suspended 11 games after an original ruling of six but he was never going to play this game so once we realized like it's very very unlikely he's he's not going to play this game uh this line definitely went in favor of the panthers closer to pick them then the panthers acquire baker mayfield from the browns great pick and now we're out to 
Um, Panthers minus two and a half. So I guess a seven point line move from the uh, the origin of Browns minus four and a half. I know it's a game where I've talked about I want to be on the Browns in the underdog role. I know that Even Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer three. I don't think it's going to get there um, unless there's some real game day steam. But, yeah, I think the Browns uh, at my plus two and a half or plus money on the money line is is something I'm going to have uh, for week one of the NFL season. But really in no rush to bet this game just because I want to see kind of how the uh, betting market reacts to the Baker Mayfield revenge game angle because I've been saying there's that revenge game angle, sure, but there's also the Cleveland Browns defense that knows Baker Mayfield and all his tendencies. So I'd expect a low-scoring game, so I would definitely look at taking the points with the Browns who, outside of quarterback, probably are just better, more talented at every part of the of the roster than the Carolina Panthers, whether it's the offensive line, the run game. I guess I guess Christian McCaffrey would have something to say about that, but just offensive line, protecting the quarterback, and on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Browns, while the Panthers do have some nice players, the Browns are just more of a stable unit. Yeah, that's why the total interests me for this one. You said it was going to be low scoring. 100% agree. I think it's <laughs> going to be a low scoring game. I don't know if any team reaches over 20 points, yeah. to be quite honest. And the total right now is sitting at 42 the under is really tempting here. Like Baker is good, better than Sam Darnold. I'll say better than Sam Darnold. I don't want to say Baker is good, but he is better than Sam Darnold. But again, both of these teams are above average to good defenses. Certainly the Browns have a good defense. The Panthers will probably have an above average defense. Two teams struggling offenses, kind of offenses in peril, trying to figure themselves out right now. I know it is a low total at 42, but I think you just – I think under's the move if I'm picking anything from this game. And that's definitely going to be a, a brunch time winner candidate in terms of the first yeah. half under in this yeah. game. first quarter under. 20 and a half, yeah, or first quarter under seven and a half. Love it. Broncos-Seahawks, another revenge game. Broncos <laughs> minus six and a half. They opened at minus three and a half, so the Broncos getting a lot of the money, a lot of the betting makes sense. They're the better team in this scenario. The Seahawks are going to be poo-poo. They're not going to be very good, and it is in Seattle – so that's the kind of the one saving grace that Seattle has. But for the most part, this this is the Broncos game to lose. Now are they going to win it by a touchdown or more is the real question. Yeah, Monday night. So this is six days from now. So maybe some more movement happens, especially since it's a standalone game sure. after the week of football. If the public does well, they might be laying six and a half the Broncos. You might be able to get a seven if you want to wait on the Seahawks. But, yeah, so that I think this basically this line is – all about obviously quarterbacks and when it was three and a half that was kind of the opener just kind of a power rating but there's also a chance that maybe the Seahawks would have upgraded their quarterback position they did not at least they are keeping the quarterbacks that they had uh, when this game was uh, put on the schedule amazing and Geno Smith is now going to start for the Seahawks (laughs) so yeah I think this line has a lot to do just with more Seattle's kind of projection of being a team that's going to offensively struggle with the quarterback position that they they have uh planned out and less to do with maybe the the broncos although russell wilson did get the extension so i'm sure there's a lot of hype and around the team that they're going to improve and obviously i think they're going to improve i still like russell wilson a lot and still think he has a lot left but 
that number is is tough. I think to to bet Scott the Broncos too high, at yeah. this point. It's it's definitely a. I think it's a total stay away from me because I don't want to be on the Seahawks uh, this early in the year because I don't know how bad they could be. Uh, but I would definitely at these numbers stay away from betting the Broncos. Oh yeah, this, this game is a complete stay away. I'm not touching it because I don't know. Yeah, you know, another year for Russell Will for for Russell Wilson. I don't know if. He's going to be showing up like the old Russell Wilson. I don't know what this for sure. new Denver team and the players around him. There's just too many question marks for me, Nate. This is this is a stay away. Yeah, ten one, foot pole. One interesting thing in this game. So the total of this game back in May opened 41, and it's been slowly getting bet up. And then today it went up from 43 to 44 and a half. So some money on the over, which I guess just from a kind of. A, perspective of of not i don't like project totals like i do sides but i think that it's just kind of interesting that there might be a little bit more scoring because when you're thinking of that game wilson it's his former team the familiarity the seahawks struggles on at the quarterback position that we're predicting that the under would be like the the play i guess but maybe they're kind of expecting denver to really kind of flex their muscles offensively with a new system and kind of uh show that uh they can, you know, get in a rhythm, I guess, Denver can, because they're going to have a pretty tough schedule later in the year. Right. So these games are important for them to try to figure stuff out so that they're ready to go when the schedule gets a lot tougher because they have a nice start to the season playing Seattle week one and the Houston Texans week two. So I'm sure they're going to want to kind of push the pace and see what they can do offensively. Let's do situations of the week. We did a bunch of situations of the week last year. Oh, yeah. We're going to do a little a little fewer. We want to be a little more selective with the situations Definitely. here and there, and especially with week one for the NFL, week two of college. You don't get a ton of – we're not going to have as many sandwiches or really look-ahead games. But you have a hangover game already. And I like it. Lousy hangover. Yeah, so week one, one of the more entertaining games, I guess, was yes. UTSA's triple overtime loss to a ranked Houston team. And, you know, that's a big game for UTSA and a tough game to lose hosting a in-state team, a ranked in-state team. Now they have to go on the road, an 11 a.m. local start, or maybe it's noon local start. Yeah, noon local start, 11 a.m. our time. And they're playing Army. And UTSA is favored by two, but now they go to Army, a team that runs a triple option, and I think that's just a tough spot for UTSA, losing in triple overtime and then on a quick turnaround having to play a team with a triple option. So UTSA right now fair by two in that game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I have at least something on yeah. Army plus the points <laughs> on Saturday, early kickoff, just a tough spot oh, for UTSA after their loss last week. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good spot. UTSA covered couldn't win they did that's, well, that's a tough part and the reason they covered is because the new rules in college football it's the alternating going for two so yeah uh, once you got past the second overtime if you did have utsa plus four you were uh kind of could take a deep breath because in overtime anything could happen like houston winning by six or seven and uh houston only won by two so utsa covered but they lost so now i can see them having a little bit of a letdown at west point so we got our thursday night game bills and the rams nate Bills are minus two, minus two and a half at some places. Total hovering around 52. First game of the year for the NFL. What do you like? Do you like anything? Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to play it, Bills would okay. be the way I would go. I'm going to wait, though, until close to the game time. Not because I don't think people are going to be on Buffalo, but there's been a line move in this game all summer. I mean, when it first opened, Rams minus one. That didn't last long. Kind of a pick um Bills small favorite. But later in the year, once or summer offseason, Matthew Stafford had some – there's whispers that 
he had some issues with his throwing arm and Ooh, that shoulder, shoulder and elbow and that, you know, it would kind of maybe compromise him this season. And because of that, the Bills got out to a solid two-and-a-half-point favorite across the board. Now it sounds like Stafford will be fine. He'll be good to go. I'm not surprised. He's played through injuries a lot in his career in worse situations. So you knew in week one he'd probably gut it out. So I look to maybe play the Bills later. Um, they're closer to game time in this in this spot, mostly because if you're the Buffalo Bills, you're just super amped up and motivated. And this kind of sounds like Super Bowl favorite Super Buffalo Bills. Yeah, but like just think about how their season ended at Kansas City, a game they should have won. If they won that game, they would have hosted the AFC title game against the Bengals. If they won that game, they would have been playing the LA Rams in that building in the Super Bowl instead of week one opener. So I think there's also a lot of motivation where the Bills are going to be ready to go. I guess the part of the Bills that makes me a little bit nervous is Brian Dable is no longer the offense coordinator. It's now Ken Dorsey, former Miami quarterback, in case you were wondering. (laughs) But it's so it's you know, they're promoting from within. So you hope maybe they're going to still run the same offensive schemes and principles, but also a little worry that Dable was like kind of a dynamic guy who didn't listen to the head coaches and wanted to throw the ball all over the place with Josh Allen, and it worked out. Kind of worry that Buffalo maybe resorts back to a little bit more conservative style just because their head coach is defensive-minded. Yeah. He might ask Ken Dorsey to run the ball a little bit more, which I don't think you should do against the L.A. Rams. So a little bit of worry to maybe the Buffalo offense has a little bit of a hiccup to start the season or start this new era without Brian Dable. So that's my only worry with the Bills, but situationally, Bills are definitely the way to go. I'm just waiting to see if you can get a better price towards game time. Yeah, I would lean Bills as well. I don't feel extraordinarily strong about Buffalo winning this game, but I do. I think it would be the right side. And if we're talking about a total two, I think the over – is the way I would lean. I really do like the over, yep. um, especially on turf, fast play. Both these teams know their offenses really well. I just don't see either team being able to sufficiently and efficiently stop these offenses to the point where one of them is scoring, you know, under 25 points. I don't know. It's, it seems yeah. to me like a like a 30-27 type of game or something in that area where 51 and a half, 52 seems just a wee bit low, wee bit low for this game. Yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot of questions this week, especially we live in a world where everyone loves talking about teasers, teasing teams six yeah. points. Yeah. Would you tease the Rams – from two and a half through the three and through the seven to eight and a half yes and i and you know on theory that sounds good but you also have to pair them with another team mm-hmm. on sunday and those lines could move so maybe you're not getting like a good teaser number because you're locking it in, 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 in something i would stay away because the t- i expect points as well like i wouldn't be surprised the bills won by double digits just because i like them in the game i like points so I'm not going to just tease the Rams just because it might be you know advantage teaser through the key numbers, and it's week one, so we don't really know you know there's a lot of uncertainty about these teams. So I think that's the time where kind of stay away. From not you don't have to, you could still bet teasers, but you don't have to tease every game where you get like a sure. the advantage teaser through the key numbers. So I would stay away from teasing the Rams. I think the other question: if the Bills did get up to minus three, would you take the Rams a value play at plus three at home? 
And I don't even know if I would do that. If that was the case, I would just totally kind of pass yeah. the game and maybe look for a live opportunity just because I feel pretty strongly about this situation that the Bills are going into. So yeah. I, it's Bills are passed for me. I guess that's the way to say it. I'll be looking to bet the Bills in some way at some some cheaper prices, I guess, if, especially once we get full word that Stafford is good to go. Yep, I agree. I'm, I'm riding the Bills and probably the over on this one for, for Thursday night. And we'll be back on Friday morning, Thursday, Thursday afternoon, yeah. probably Thursday night. We'll, we'll figure it out. Ben's going to be in Arizona yes. at live on the line. So if I guess you're in, in Arizona at the uh, yeah, I'll at see that if stadium, the maybe uh, Plus six. look for Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do a report. I'll go I'll go on the field, try to look if there's any issues with the fields, maybe talk about the total lowering a little bit, that'd see be, what happens. That'd be great. That'd be great to know. Especially, Insider uh, info. The total in that game is 54, which I believe is the highest on the board. But oh, yeah, see if there's any we'll, divots or anything. Maybe there's a concert the night before. We'll have to see. <laughs> hopefully they're smarter than that because the team owns the stadium uh (laughs) but yeah this week uh we'll have another episode sometime later this week check your podcast feeds either thursday night all our bets not there friday morning and this week i'll have my nfl article out thursday morning well ahead of the bills rams game in week one and then we'll come back college football friday morning roundtable ben i and alex simmons will join the fold this week giving out our college bets and trying to decipher what we like from the college football ranks exciting i'm excited we got everything going on the website on the podcast on uh, stadium bets on twitter got the videos going so we got you covered from every angle uh be prepared for best bets on thursday or friday and we'll talk to you then we